Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we just wrapped up an Ag PhD tiling clinic at the Morton Center at the site of the Ag PhD Field Day. We're going to be taking questions from our audience all throughout the show today. Uh, with tiling, it is just tremendously important in a lot of farms. Uh, we've got to have great drainage out there. We say all the time, hey, if you want healthy soils, you want more crop, you want to have great drainage out there. All right, let's get to our first question. And if you wouldn't mind, just give us your first name and the state you're from. We'd appreciate that. John from South Dakota. We had talked about setbacks from the wetlands yes. and tiling. Yes. Do you have a resource that we can go to, or what is the common setback away from the wetlands? Tile. Yep. In terms of what that setback is, it varies depending on your soil type and depending on the slope. So that's really what it comes down to. Um, yeah, we have some people on the other side there. Uh, you, you heard from Brian Top today and, and with the wetland mitigation and that kind of thing that he does. But I mean, ultimately, what you're supposed to do is talk to your local NRCS person. Uh, we also had today a drainage lawyer here. And certainly, if you don't agree with what NRCS says, and you appeal that to the NRCS, and they still say, nope, it's got to be this, and you think, well, that just can't be right, you certainly can talk to a lawyer. That is within your legal rights, obviously, to talk to a lawyer and then to go continuing to appeal that. Uh, one of the things, too, when it comes to NRCS, keep in mind, there are multiple levels on the appeal side. So you can go to, first of all, there, there are usually regions. In South Dakota, I think it's split up still into three different regions. Uh, then we've got the state level, and there's also the national level, too. I have known some farmers that have taken certain things all the way to the national level. We were talking today, too, about how NRCS nationally is actually very supportive of tile because they... Uh, want reduced erosion. Erosion reduction is, is just paramount for the NRCS. Well, certainly, if you go no-till, I mean, that's the number one thing you could do to reduce erosion, but you know what number two on the list is? It's tiling. Back in the 70s, NRCS, or used to be called Soil Conservation Service, they had programs to help farmers pay for tile. It was a big deal because of the erosion reduction. So, yeah, I mean, NRCS, uh, sometimes there get to be challenges just on the local level, um, and, and that definitely can be one of them with those setbacks. Yeah, Brandon, we've been talking about drainage today, and a lot of times uh, there, there are issues like that, or there's a neighbor that we're struggling to deal with or something like that that gets in the way. But uh, we got into some of the things earlier uh, during our, our clinic today just about how we can oftentimes hold ourselves back. Man, this, this was flat ground. It's going to be tough to to get drained or, oh, I know I'm going to have to use a, a lift station and then I'm going to have to call somebody else to help me with that. It, it seems like, I don't know what it is about drainage that we get drawn to what's the most difficult problem on our whole farm rather than, you know what, I got a whole bunch of fields that it'd be really easy to get some tile lines in and I can improve things right overnight. All right. So again, if you've got a question, just raise your hand. We'll come around to you with the mic and you can ask your question. Yep. Right in the back there. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that, Darren. When we started tiling on our farm, uh, the first thing that we did was the stuff with the most slope. Because yes, I thought, if yes, I'm going to screw you, something up... Uh, you can't mess that up. Right, Water that, is that going tough. to run downhill. <laughs> right. All right. So, uh, again, if you wouldn't mind, just give us your first name and the state you're from. We'd appreciate it. And then you can go ahead with your question. Yep, go ahead. Kathy from central Wisconsin. And we have not done any tiling yet. We're looking into starting some. Sure. But what, besides cool. the point you made that they have to 
be able to do sub-inch accuracy. Yep. What other things do you look for and who to pick so that you're not getting some fly-by-night person that's just doing this to try to make a living quick? Sure. Okay. So if you're going to have a contractor come in and do stuff for you, what I would probably do, just like if you're interviewing somebody for a job, what are you really looking for? You're looking for past experience. Then you're going to talk to their references. And you probably go around to a few farmers where they've done some work for them and say, hey, are you happy with the work? Did they get it done timely? And go from there. So that's probably what I would, what I would do. Because quite frankly, to be an expert in whatever equipment they've got specifically, you know, I, I'm not going to know what they're going to have. You're not going to know what they're going to have exactly. There are a lot of different brands out there, a lot of different ways to do things. Yeah, and if they could draw a plan up in advance and give you a really complete estimate of here's exactly what we're going to do and how much it would cost, uh, it sure be easy to take that estimate, talk to some other experts, or even talk to the university level people and say, hey, uh, who's your drainage expert? Will this plan work for me? Is there something you'd suggest we add or is this overkill that, that we don't need quite that much? And, and the other thing that I would do is make sure whatever plan gets drawn up that you can expand it. Uh, like I know a lot of farmers uh, uh, in Minnesota that have gone with 100-foot spacing just for the simple fact that, hey, I'm going to put 100-foot spacing in and then I'll see what it looks like after a couple of years. And if I decide I need more, then I'll split those tile lines at 50 or I'll split those tile lines at 30 or whatever I need to do from there. Yeah, the other thing that I would suggest to you is just talk to some other farmers that have put tile in the ground before. Um, I'll bet you that three-quarters of the people in this audience uh, know an awful lot about tile. You can ask just about any farmer out there from Iowa, probably, and they'll be able to tell you, oh, yeah, here's what you do for tile. So anyway, plenty of people out there that can give you some good advice. All right, let's get to the next question. Richard from Minnesota, you uh, talked about terraces yeah. and reducing erosion. Yep. Um, you said they don't always work, I believe. Well, um, what's, I got erosion places I was going to put terraces in. Is it sure. better just put more tile there? or What's, what's the solution for that? Okay, so, it, there, it, so solving an erosion problem might take multiple things. But the reason why I say the terraces don't completely solve it is, what there's going to be erosion and then the dirt all washes up to the terrace right so in where i'm raising the crop i just lost a bunch of soil i ideally i i don't want that to happen now, i'm glad that at least the soil didn't go all the way down to the bottom of the hill but just for example on our farm we've taken out some terraces and we've gone to very reduced tillage either no-till or strip till uh, we put tile in the ground we are, are really trying to take a look at, hey, what can I do for reducing any erosion without the use of terraces? But in some cases, yeah, you might still need terraces just because you've got such tremendously uh, steep slopes. Let's talk a little bit more about yep. that right after this short break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio following the Ag PhD Tiling Clinic. That's just wrapping up here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. 
Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Bean growers continue to see yield loss from white mold across the Midwest this season. To maximize next year's crop, a white mold prevention strategy that includes Contans WG Soil Fungicide is a must for your farming operation. Applying Contans this fall to reduce the sclerotia in the soil is the most effective way to stop white mold at its source. Start a Contans white mold control strategy this fall or pay for it later in lost yield. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site. That is where we just finished up the Ag PhD Tiling Clinic. And just before the break, Brian, we got a question about terraces, and it's certainly something yep. we, we've got some hilly ground. We've got some ground where we've got some terraces in. We've got some ground where we've got some kind of drive over terraces. We've got some ground where we've taken old terraces out just because of new technology. I remember walking some fields with our grandpa, who's uh, passed away almost 20 years ago now. And uh, I remember grandpa saying, wow, he was w- looking at some strip till work that we had done. He said, I wish I would have had this machine back in the forties. Oh, that would have made a difference for me. But he said, my only way to kill all the weeds was doing tillage. So I ended up doing all that tillage in these hilly fields. And he said, I can sure see the result of that, you know, the next couple generations down the road. So we do have some different options now with equipment that we have like strip tillage for, for reducing our, our footprint out there in the field. And there yeah, are certain but practices like cover crops in some areas of the country that we're having great success with. Uh, th- there are a lot of things that can be done to reduce Yeah, those. but honestly, I hate terraces because they're hard to farm around and you aren't as efficient when you're farming. So if you have to have them, that's fine. But if we can come up with other ways between tiling, between farming and the contour, going to no-till, yes, in some cases using cover crops, if I can reduce my erosion that way and I don't need the terrace anymore, that's awesome. All right, let's get to our next question in the back there. I'm Doug from South Dakota. I was wondering, you had mentioned earlier talking to the people uh, dealing with like our township roads. Yes. What, what rules do we talk about or, or how do you approach that subject with your, say, your township board? Well, the great thing with townships, especially in South Dakota, is it's pretty much all farmers that are on the board. So they're going to understand things in many cases a lot better than like in my county, for example, we have the city of Sioux Falls. Well, all the county commissioners are town people. They're not farmers. So now I got to explain the basics of farming to these people just to get them to understand that. For the township, in a lot of cases, it's other farmers that are farming around here, and they know some of the drainage issues we've had. They've, they've been here their whole lives. They've known the road issues that we've had. And so just talking to them about 
hey, uh, we've got two things here in terms of moving that water. We have culverts and then we have tile. So like in my case right here, I was giving an example earlier today of where the, the culvert wasn't placed properly. It's halfway up the hill. So, I mean, technically, yes, should they move the culvert? They should. I didn't ask them to do that, but they really should move the culvert, and that would fix the problem. Well, any farmer is going to know that because that's common sense. Okay. Uh, in terms of the tile, what we prefer to do is if we've got that kind of situation where the culvert isn't anywhere close, it's halfway up the hill, hey, you know what, we're going to have to bore underneath that road. We're going to have to get the water to the other side. But in a lot of cases, if the culvert is in the right spot, now all you have to do is outlet at the culvert. The water will go right underneath, and it will get to the other side, and there's no big problem. The water just continues kind of its natural flow. What we're trying to do is keep the water from seeping underneath our road. So we didn't talk about this today, but one of the things that uh, I, I really encourage farmers not to do is just dump your water in a road ditch and expect the road ditch to carry that water for half a mile because now the opportunity for that water to sink in is great the opportunity for it to sink underneath the road to have more frost heaves all those kind of things they're just much much higher what we would encourage people to do instead is take the tile line that half mile or whatever you have to bring it right to the culvert outlet right at the culvert and then go from there now, we've also had situations where, like here in our county, they told us outlet inside the culvert. And I go, what, really? And they said, oh, yeah, uh, uh, we've got an enormous culvert here. You're only putting a little tile line in there. It's not going to cause any problem. But then we know it's made it to there. When uh, we deal with the state, for example, here, and we're working with our state highways, they'll tell us you've got to outlet at the right-of-way. Okay, outlet right there, then it flows into the ditch to the culvert. And by the way, if the ditch starts eroding out, we're going to expect you to fix that ditch to get it back to normal. And I just say, that's fine. I don't, I don't mind that. It's no big deal. It'll take me just a few minutes. We have the equipment. It's no big thing. We, we want to, to work together with these people. And that's probably the number one suggestion that I always have for anybody. Just talk about it a little bit. And like I say, when it's township people, they know what's going on. They live right there. They're farmers. So just talk to them a little about, hey, what do we think uh, all together here as a group would be best for our road? But, I, you know, in terms of specific laws, they are the law. They're the township board, and they have the right to do almost anything they want to do. So, for example, we've had some townships that have said, you know what, we don't mind if you just plow right through the township road. Just patch it back up, and we're fine. Now, I don't like that because there's going to be a little bit of a dip there for maybe two or three years before everything settles back very well. And, you know, when people are going over that little dip, who are they going to think about that whole time? They're going to think about me that just dug through that. So I go, you know, it doesn't cost that much more. I'll just bore under that road. And then nobody ever knows the difference. No damage to the road at all. And now we've done a good thing, not just for us in our field, but we've done something good for everyone here because that road's going to be in better shape. Anything else you want to know on the township stuff or that pretty well cover it? Okay. Thank you. Take another question here. Oh, just a second, Doug. Yeah, oh. press the button. We got to get his mic on for him. All, All right. right, here we go. <laughs> Doug from Jackson, Minnesota. Yep. And uh, I'm switching from 30 inch to an 18 inch row bean. Okay. And you had one of the egg PhD programs you, uh, you mentioned uh, 
or being with upright branches. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and I want to plant the en the enlist bean in sure. uh, last week in April, first week in May. Yep. Okay. Great. Which one's going to work the best for that? You know, that, that's a great question, and, and there, are, there are obviously lots of different varieties out on the market today, and the good thing I like about some of the Enlist genetics, it seems like in general, we've got shorter, more upright branching compared to uh, some of the other traits on the market today. They, they've, they've kind of bred in for a little bit shorter plant, which is going to work well for you, uh, because those, with those upright branches, um, you're, you're still going to be able to catch sunlight down that plant in those narrow rows. That, that gets to be one of the challenges. People think that, you know, it's, uh, well, there's going to be a lot of plants competing, or maybe I'm spacing out my plants, so they'll be better able to compete. I just look at, are we going to get sunlight down that plant to, to feed those lower branches? Because each trifoliate is going to feed the pods at that node. If we can get sunlight down because we've got some upright branching in those narrow rows, that's good. Also, I know Brian's focused on disease. We were talking about a field white mold. Uh, earlier that, boy, this valley is really struggling with white mold. And one of the reasons it was poorly drained, we're yep. at the tiling clinics, we were talking about fixing that. Uh, but, but I would say that, too, if we get more upright branching, typically we have a little bit less disease, not always. Uh, so, yeah, I can... I can talk to you over one of the breaks about what we're seeing in, in some of the trials around the and area. And specific too. varieties. But the, the big thing here is a lot of farmers in our region now have gone from narrow rows, 10-inch or 15, or like you say, 18, back to 30-inch rows just so more air gets through there and they have less white mold. So as we go south and it's warmer, white mold's less of an issue. But from here and north, man, white mold has been a killer the last three years. We've seen some of the worst white mold infestations ever in not just soybeans, but you think dry beans, canola, sunflowers. Uh, it's been a real challenge. All right, uh, let's get to the next question here. Uh, Colt from South Dakota. I wonder if you guys had any tips or tricks on finding old tile lines. Ooh, you know, that's, that's a question we get a lot. And uh, I, don't I, I, had a, I had a farmer I was talking to during one of the breaks, and he was talking about some really old tile lines that are out there. And I said, you know, I don't have any great advice. Other than this, one of the things that we have seen over the last few years, since people have drones now, and, you know, I mean, there are also a lot of aerial pictures done, but especially with the drone, you can do it yourself. When the frost is coming out of the ground, the frost comes out of the ground first where the tile lines are. And that's a good indicator, too, when we were talking uh, today and just talking about the benefits of tile, your soil is going to warm up sooner, you can plant earlier. But, yeah, I, I mean, I have seen many aerial photos from guys, and you can see exactly where all these tile lines are at when that frost is coming out of the ground. Now, it might take a little bit of work because you might have to go up several days with your drone or something and, uh, and take some pictures, but that's one of the best ways. Now, we've gone out, you know, with uh, uh, probe and stuff and, you know, tried poking around and everything. But, yeah, I'd encourage you, get a drone, take some pictures early in spring, the frost coming out. We are broadcasting live from the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site following an Ag PhD tiling clinic. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, Bill. 
Any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and Buy 2 Save 3 are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. The last thing you want after harvesting your grain is to spoil it before it goes to market. The Grain Temp Guard from FarmShop MFG is a low-cost bin monitoring solution that tracks temperature and humidity and alerts you when conditions exceed safe thresholds. Visit FarmShopMFG.com. We started utilizing the Dual React system this year. You can adjust your speed and it automatically adjusts your sprayer tips. So you can slow down and you aren't building up huge droplets or you can speed up and you're not throwing a mist that's drifting. Hypro, helping you spray better. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Today we are taking questions from a live audience here. Well, thank goodness it's not a dead audience, but it is a live audience following the Ag PhD tiling clinic. So that's why we're getting a lot of drainage questions today. Uh, let's take another one right now. Rick from Minnesota. I uh, farm uh, some pretty heavy ground that is sharecropped. Yep. I have a farm manager but we can't seem to get the ball rolling. Any tips that... So, so, so explain that a little more. You've got a, f a farm manager oh, for yeah. the Jim. landlord? Yes. Uh, okay. okay. So, it, so somebody else owns the ground, then there's a farm manager, and you have to work through the farm manager. I think we all know the benefits of it, but we yep. can't seem to get the ball rolling. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. 
Uh, so when you say, all right, we would like to tile your ground, what does the farm manager come back with? What does he say? He agrees wholeheartedly, but he uh, just can't get the landowner to get it going. Okay, so the problem is really you're not talking directly to the person who's writing the check. And that's, that's yeah, that, that's a challenge. So is it a one-year deal? Each, is it a year-by-year year lease, or do you get a multi-year lease? Uh, it's kind of a one-year lease, but it, it just continues. So yeah. I would say it's multi-year, actually. Yep. One of the challenges that I had personally when we were trying to get some of this tile stuff done is some of these landlords I was working with were 90 years old. Okay, well, a lot of times when they're 90, they just say, I don't even want to make any decisions anymore. I, it's fine. I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm just going to leave it. I don't, I don't know. So I, in some cases, I had to work through their kids, and I, it took a lot of time to talk to the kids, uh, to the actual person that owned the land. And so usually what I advise people to do is go right to the person that's got the money right the person that's got the land and and try to work that through with them but how i ended up getting through to some of those people is i just said look you've got money right now it's sitting in the bank and in one case i knew exactly what they had and i knew exactly what they were getting for interest and i go hey it's only earning this how about this if we take some of that money invest it in the ground your ground's going to be worth more money and by the way this actually did turn out because the lady passed away eventually darren bought the ground paid a crazy price for it compared to what it was worth seriously the ground really went up in value uh, when it got appraised and everything else they're like well it's got all kinds of tile in it now it's worth this so anyway, I would just pitch him on, hey, now your ground's going to be worth more and we're going to go up in rent. So every year you're going to be collecting more money on that. And so in, in many cases, that is all it took for us and we got that through, but it took time. So with a lot of the people that just got done farming and then we were renting their ground, I mean, they understood it. It was a 20 minute conversation and it was over for those types of situations when I had to work through the kids and her and everything else and I'm going oh my goodness this just for me I you know I want stuff done quick all the time and it took three I had to work for three years and on one of the projects uh, just continuing to talk to them so that's why when we show up at these things and you see tile going in the ground I always tell people put the tile in the ground is a piece of cake you can do that yourself there's nothing to that I, I mean even an 80 acre field pattern tiled I mean we can do that whole thing in three days ourselves it's no big deal the big deal is getting all these approvals especially when you're working with a landlord now the other approach certainly would be you could always propose to them hey can i have a whatever five-year lease ten-year lease something i'll spend the money on the tile your ground's going to go up in value so you, there's no risk for you and i just want to farm it long term so i can recover some of that money i don't like that method as well because you've got a lot of risk yourself and you just put a whole bunch of money out and you didn't increase your net worth at all all you did is locked in ground for x amount of time so I prefer it the other way where we talk the landlord into spending the money because they're the ones that get the value. That land is absolutely worth more. Like here in South Dakota, and I know it's the same way in Minnesota, you show up at an auction and I can promise you if there's tile on the ground, the auctioneer tells people. Here, they tell them about 20 times during the auction, there's tile here, there's tile here, there's tile here, and it does ratchet up the price. All right, let's take another question here. Dennis from Kentucky. Uh, we haven't tiled much, but we tiled about 20 years ago, 
and went back later to expand it. And we've, in like five years, the rodents had burrowed down for water in the dry season and our tile was full of holes. Uh, is uh, that a common thing? Well, not here it's not. Uh, we, yeah, we're protected by about six feet of frost a lot of years. <laughs> so, uh, no, I haven't really heard a lot about that, I guess, with rodents getting it. I know certainly with uh, shallower things like subsurface irrigation, that kind of thing, uh, it's more commonly a problem. Haven't heard that about tile, though. Yeah, we we absolutely have heard that about tile, and in a lot of cases, uh, especially as you go south. Oh yeah, uh, not, not up here is what I'm no, saying. No, no, no. Yeah, up uh, here you'd see more uh, rodents trying to burrow or to get into the outlets. Uh, so we we put covers on so they can't. Yep, but yeah, I mean, how you're going to solve that? Um, you know, what a lot of people have told me is start start using anhydrous again. They don't like that very well. That does seem to either repel them, kill them, whatever. Um, uh, you know, beyond that, I, I, I don't know that I have any real great answers for you. Certainly we have some pesticides, not a lot, uh, that can kill rodents, but we do have some, some normal pesticides that we might use on the farm. Yeah, you know, one of our, our challenges anymore is we have so much safe stuff. I, I mean, you go out and use the soil insecticides like Forest or Aztec or those kind of things. They're never going to kill a rodent. They're not, they, they, they're very safe to humans and, and animals compared to the old stuff we used to use. I'll tell you what, you go out there with a bunch of thymet or something and you know, you got a lot of dead stuff in that soil. So you certainly could go back to some of those kind of products. Thymet is available yet. And like I say, anhydrous, people talk to me about that from time to time when they're starting to have those issues. Uh, beyond that, I don't know that I have a lot of super great ideas uh, other than maybe asking more people to come out and hunt rodents on your ground. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Put, uh, put the tile in deeper, you're saying? Yeah, because yeah, a lot of those at three feet then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, 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 you certainly could go down a little bit deeper with your tile lines too. All right, let's go to the next question. Connor from Minnesota. You guys talk about micro nutrients yeah. uh, a lot. Yep. And for like sulfur and boron, more leachable ones, yes. do you guys have like a dry program to build those up and do you hear about leaching at all or do you do a lot of liquid? Okay, so first of all, with sulfate, uh, so there are two forms of nitrogen just like there are two forms of sulfur currently, commonly in the soil. Sulfur is not leachable. It's the sulfate. When it, so once it turns to sulfate, yeah, now you've got a leachable thing. But that's only, that'll only leach at about half the pace of nitrate. So it's not going to be all gone, especially where we farm. I mean, the ground's frozen for half the year. We normally don't get a lot of rain, and we have heavy soil. So usually our sulfur will stick around for a while. Our sulfate will stick around for a while. For that matter, even our nitrate will hold in our soils much better than in a lot of areas in the country. Uh, so that's one of the things to consider. And boron leaches even slower than, than the sulfate. So yes, we've been working on a dry program with boron. Uh, we do some dry, we do some liquid with sulfur. We have several different sources of sulfur. Manure, compost, we get water treatment lime, we use some gypsum. Uh, we use some ammonium sulfate. So there's five right there that I'm just thinking of off the top of my head. We'll, we'll do some liquid uh, together with our liquid nitrogen. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing too, Brian, is we've been working on building up organic matter levels in our soil. Right. And that does the best job of holding negatively charged leachable nutrients. Yep. So the sulfates, nitrates, boron, those types of nutrients, if you've got a decent level of organic matter. So 
uh, that that is something that doesn't change overnight. It's not like, oh, I've got only 1% organic matter. I want to make it 10. Uh, but it's something over 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, uh, you can all of a sudden go from one to who knows what, four yep. or five. But the good news, like with sulfur and boron, they aren't very expensive. You can absolutely jack your levels just instantly if you want to. And the, the key thing, though, is, okay, what are we going to spend and what can I expect for a return? And if I don't have some of the other things taken care of, and that's why we start here with drainage. That's why our tiling clinic was the first of these three days of workshops. We're going to talk drainage first because if you don't have your drainage fixed, then you're wasting your money on really going for high fertility because you're never going to reach those yields anyway. So I'd look at drainage, then I'm going to look at, hey, how's my soil pH? Then I'm going to start looking at potassium and phosphorus, and then I'm going to work my way over to the sulfur and micronutrients. But yeah, if I've got all these other things fixed, sulfur, boron, tremendously important. We'll get right back to more questions from our live audience here right after this. When looking for someone to help with your risk management, a key component to look for is patience. Patience to bring you along in the process at your own speed. Patience to learn about your operation. And patience to not only discuss what strategies may be effective for your plan, but why they would be effective. That's the strength of Grain PhD. I'm Darren Hefty. When you're ready to become more engaged in your risk management, Grain PhD can assist you with that process. Visit grainphd.com to learn more. Using NSERV Nitrogen Stabilizer with Fall Fertilizer Applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. Field trials in Iowa show NSERV delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERV is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. White mold, sudden death syndrome, root rot. If you raise soybeans, it may seem like you have all the cards stacked against you when it comes to disease. But did you know there is a new cost-effective seed treatment which can help prevent all three? Heads Up Seed Treatment offers a new proactive approach for dealing with fungal and bacterial diseases. Compatible with other seed treatments, hedge your bet against disease this spring. Ask your dealer for Heads Up today. To locate a dealer, visit headsupst.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. You know a healthy crop is required for your best results. Simply put, balanced crop nutrition pays. AgriLiquid Fertilizers have the research, technology, and products to deliver those results. We also have an outstanding team of field agronomists ready to help you with your fertility decisions. AgriLiquid can help you maximize your yield potential effectively and economically. Visit agriliquid.com to find a dealer near you. Maximize your flexibility and control the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses with Anthem Max herbicide from FMC. With a wide application window in both corn and soybeans and with an easy to tank mix formulation, Anthem Max is ready to go when you are. 
Visit fmcagus.com or ask your FMC retailer about Anthem Max herbicide. Always read and follow all label directions and precautions for use. FMC and Anthem are trademarks of FMC Corporation or an affiliate. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting live following an Ag PhD tiling clinic. So we've got an audience here asking some questions. We were just talking a little bit about fertility. And if you're interested in more fertility information, we've got a couple other clinics coming up this week. Tomorrow, we've got a weed, insect, and disease clinic. And on Thursday, we've got one about soil fertility. And, and we'll be talking about a lot of those same things we were just discussing here about some of the leachable nutrients and, and what are good ways to build up your soil. All right, so let's get to our next question here. Go ahead, sir. Howard from Iowa. We uh, planted alfalfa or have alfalfa fields, yep. and uh, when we spray our alfalfa fields and we hit a dry year, yep. we have to unplug a lot of our tile lines. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. Just with grass waterways, when you've got a perennial crop, uh, you're going to get root systems that get down a little bit deeper. I know some guys that do alfalfa, and they've said on fields where, uh, like close to a dairy, for example, they know they're going to grow alfalfa in the rotation probably forever. Uh, so the guys will say, well, I'm going to put my tile lines deeper on those fields just because I'm assuming those alfalfa roots are going to find them and maybe less roots will find them. But, yeah, if you leave that stand in more than three years, for sure they're going to be in there. So, yeah, those are the two things. I was just talking to a guy about that over lunch, and I said, number one, I might take my alfalfa out a little sooner. If you normally leave it in five years, I might do three or four years. And then besides that, uh, I would consider putting the tile lines a little deeper. They actually do have machines now that can go up into tile lines and clean stuff out, so that certainly is an option as well. All right. Uh, again, if you've got a question, just raise your hand. We'll come around to you. Yep, he's got one right back you got there. one over here, yep. too. Yep. All right, so again, if you could just give us your first name and state that you're from, that would be great. We would appreciate it. Uh, yep, yep, we'll go ahead right over there. Yeah, this is Gordon from South Dakota. Uh, I enjoy your clinics tremendously, but Thanks. I see Thanks. you've got uh, Kinsley, Kinsey coming yes. in March. Can you give us a little plug on what we can expect there? And Yep. And, uh, it's going to be fun. We, we, uh, oh, so to, yeah, to start with, March 3rd through the 5th, Neil Kinsey is going to be here. He is one of the leading soil fertility experts in the world. He's awesome. He's done consulting even all around the world, a lot of foreign countries. Uh, many things Darren and I have learned specifically from him when it comes to soil fertility. He's great. One of the best books that I've ever read is his Hands-On Agronomy. Um, if you want to read anything about soils, read Hands-On Agronomy. Fantastic. Neil Kinsey is his name. You can go to agphd.com to learn more about his upcoming session he's going to do here. Normally, he charges a lot, but we're going to have a lot of people here, and so basically we can bring the cost way down. Uh, but, yeah, it is going to cost 195 bucks per person to attend, but you're going to get, I think, seven meals out of the deal because he's going to be here for three days. And for anybody that's ever attended any of our workshops, clinics, field days, you know we eat good. I was going to say, you know it's going to take Neil three days to get through this stuff, and that's only going to give us a fraction of Neil's knowledge. Uh, just amazing the the uh, stories that he has. Almost every fertility question that I've ever heard anyone come up with, Neil say, oh, I've seen that before. Yeah, I've been in this country or in this state, and I've seen it on this crop, and here's what you do. 
uh, it's it's really fun to have someone with a wealth of knowledge like that to draw from. And yeah, with uh, with Neil, we have him on a radio show from time to time too. Uh, just just a great guy, very entertaining. And if you want to know more about soil fertility, that's a great. Okay, one. so here's how I would state it. Uh, so if you've been to our soils clinics before, or even our advanced soils clinics before, that's great. And now you got introductory stuff, medium level stuff. Let's call it. Uh, Soils 101, Soils 201, now we're going to Soils 401, okay? And, you know, one of the things, too, because we've had Neil... Not that it's hard to understand, right? It's not. When Neil Neil presents it, it's 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 in terms that you will understand. We're just going to go more in-depth to certain things because we're going to cover it over three days. But one of the things we've noticed in the past with Neil's stuff... Um, you know, he's talking a lot about certain things and all these experiences that he's had everywhere else. What we really want to get to, and Darren and I are going to be more involved in this, just being kind of moderators with it to say, all right, specifically, how do you handle this? Specifically, we've got this issue here. Specifically, we've got these farmers who are attending that have this problem. How would you solve that, Neil? What, what should we do? Also, we really have been encouraging people. We've been talking about this session coming up for the last year almost. And we just said, hey, if you wouldn't mind, send soil tests into your normal lab and send Neil a couple, three of your soil tests too. So now when he shows up, you've got the comparison of his stuff and how he would recommend it versus what you normally do. And let's just compare those things back and forth a little bit. But yeah, it's going to be awesome. I would just say, I think Neil's probably 72 years old now, but he'll get up and literally he'll stand behind a podium. He likes to do that. And he'll stand there. And if, if I don't tell him, he's got a break he would literally stand there and talk all day he's he's so excited and passionate about soils and fertility and you're like this is not the most exciting topic in the world but to that guy it is he's awesome and he's got fantastic great stories and specific things to say uh, okay we had this problem here's exactly what we did here's how it panned out in five years 10 years 20 years because he's been around forever all right i'm gonna add to uh my comment about Brian, and I said, well, my, my reason, Brian, that we were doing the drainage tile clinic first in a three days in a row with different clinics is that it might take Brian three days to get done talking about tiling. Brian's so excited and passionate about drainage. I think he's that passionate about Neil Kinsey, too. Boy, he likes Neil. I'm, I'm amazed we got done in 10 minutes with that, Brian. Let's, let's jump into another question here. Uh, Wesley from Kentucky. Uh, I've got it two-part question I guess um, like my dad was saying we have problems with tiles the rodents is a failed tile line better worse or the same as no tile line and also at what percent slope do you need to worry about the velocity of the water becoming a problem when it gets to wherever it's going okay so in is a failed tile line better than no tile and it all depends on where the tile line fails if the tile line fails right in the middle of your field, it creates a big wet hole right in the middle of your field, you're probably not going to like it real well. If it fails at the end of your field or out in the ditch or somewhere down the road, no big thing. But I, I will say, you know, you look at a lot of the old clay tiles that were put in. Okay, what really were those? How did the water get in? It wasn't all the perforation stuff and everything else. It was some of the separation between these different lines. So the point is, if there's something in that ground that can help carry some of the water away, that's a heck of a lot better than nothing. So yeah, absolutely, I'm still going to keep putting tile in it. And if I'm in your boat, I'm just going to try to figure out some way to get those rodents 
uh, to stop destroying my stuff. Uh, in terms of the other question and, uh, and the velocity of the water that's coming out, I, are, I assume you're talking about the outlet specifically, or what are we talking about there? Okay, yeah, so it's the outlet. And so we've had this too where, okay, the water's coming at such a pace, and then it, it kind of erodes that, that little dip there. So we've had it where we've, we poured cement right there. We've had it where we had to do dirt work, and we've put in... Uh, uh, a better waterway there during the dry time. So, hey, when the water does come, it doesn't totally cut stuff out. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, quite, quite frankly, a trial and error thing. I don't have any exact thing to tell you there. You just got to look at your situation and what, you, what you're trying to do. But all I'm saying here is, yes, we do need to come up with a plan because we can't obviously have stuff cut, getting cut out, especially if it's right before a culvert, uh, that happens a lot of times with us where we're outletting right at a culvert. Okay, now the, the water's digging out. Well, all of a sudden, then the water's below the culvert. Well, now the water could technically seep under the row. Well, we can't have that. So that's, we mentioned it several times today, but, you know, uh, getting all this work done in advance, talking to NRCS, talking to neighbors, I mean, that's what takes the most work. Then you put the tile in, that's a piece of cake. But the thing that I think a lot of people forget or the, pe the thing that people don't really think much about if they've just started tiling is the maintenance afterwards. Uh, our dad's originally from Iowa and in that area they have all these great big county main tile lines and what they do is you get charged tax if you're in that watershed and the point is they have maintenance money. So maintenance can be done in these great big tile lines. It's kind of the same thing when you put tile in on your own farm. You got to have a little bit of money in the budget to at least go out and a little time in the budget to at least go out and fix up some of those things because things are going to happen, especially the last two years when we've had double normal rainfall in our area. A lot more things have happened negatively than we wanted to. We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. We know balanced crop nutrition pays. AgriLiquid has the research, technology, and products you need to grow a great crop. Plus the expertise to give you a recommendation based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. AgriLiquid has the phosphorus, potassium, and micronutrient products necessary to deliver the best results from a solid fertility program. Visit agriliquid.com to find a dealer near you. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. Our exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. 
featuring Extendamax herbicide with VaporGrip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like Waterhemp, Mare's Tail, and Giant Ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit BattleWeeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! How much yield and profit did you lose the moment you put your seed in the ground? A poor stand at planting keeps your crops from reaching their yield potential, and closing the seed trench behind the planter is essential to establishing a good crop stand. The Germinator Closing Wheel from FarmShop MFG is here to give your crop the strong start it needs for maximum yield. Act now to receive an early order rebate plus free shipping. Get ready for spring planting with the Germinator Closing Wheel. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. Welcome back. We're wrapping up the Ag PhD Tiling Clinic. We're taking questions from our audience here. Let's dive right back in. Riley, you came all the way down here and you hadn't asked a question. I was like, man, when are we going to hear from Riley? Sure enough, you don't disappoint. We still have two more shows for me to ask questions. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, my question, I actually have a two-part question. Our ground is very flat, so we've yep. done a lot of work with surface drainage. Yep. And how should I incorporate surface drainage into my tiling plans? Well, it really depends on how things are set up, where the water can go. I mean, there are a lot of things, a lot of factors that we would have to consider. So when we start asking, I, I very, know, I, getting to very I've specific heavy, questions. heavy, flat ground, Brian, I'm pattern tiling it. I just don't see any way around pattern tiling it. I mean, I think the surface drainage, sure, if you have a great big rainfall event and you're completely saturated, Absolutely, but if let's just say that you're, you've got pattern tile out there. Let's say that the top three feet has 25% oxygen space, and that's what's going to fill in when you get all this rain, right? And it's going to fill in, it's going to soak down, your water table comes up, and your tile lines start running. You know, if you're soaking in most of that rain in a half-inch rain, an inch rain, maybe an inch and a half rain that happens over half a day, no problem. It's the two-inch rain that happens in 30 minutes, where that surface water is going to be running off on that surface drainage. And for that, right. I mean, I don't know that it really impacts your tile design at all. I'm still going to want to have pattern tile on Well, there. okay, so here's where I'm going with this. I, every situation is a little different, so I don't know how you're sitting on things. But I will just tell you this. I don't worry too much about surface drainage. When I improve my surface drainage, what I, in effect, have done is I am speeding up the process of soil loss, of soil erosion. So if I'm going to have surface drainage, I got to worry all the time, am, am I getting water off that ground, flowing across that ground too fast? 
with tile below the ground, then I don't have to worry so much about that above ground stuff because I have capacity. When I get a rain, it's going to soak in. And the advantage to heavy ground is I can hold a lot of water. I can create a lot of capacity, even if I get my tile line set at three feet, maybe four feet, something like that, and hold a lot of water. So yeah, we, it's very common in North Dakota and just across the border in Canada where you're from for people to say, well, I can just do this fast and I, I, I can get rid of that surface water and, and it's a feel good thing because you don't see the water standing there. But the problem is, to Darren's point, you're still going to have the yield loss in a lot of cases because there's water and too much water in the ground, or to state it another way, there's too little air in the soil, and now you don't have the good root growth, you don't have the good soil life. It's a, it's a real concern. The challenge, though, with flat ground, obviously different than some of our rolling hills, you can't just fix it for $100 an acre. It's going to cost money. And that's part of the reason why we talk so much about doing some of your own tiling. And even if you want somebody else to come in and put the main lines in, you could run out there with little four-inch lines and do all that work yourself, save a lot of the cost of it, and now you can afford to get that whole project done. Also, you're much younger than Darren and I, uh, especially me. And, uh, you know, when you get to... The age that I'm at in my early 50s, well, we've been farming for a long time. We've got equity built up. And, you know, I, we have a whole bunch of ground. We're farming 3,000 acres. Well, if I pick up a new 40 or a new 80, it's no big deal. And I just say, you know what? Year one, I'm going to do a little bit of dirt work. I'm going to spend, oh, I don't care, $800 an acre on tile. And I'm going to spend $500 Brian, Brian on says that as our bankers in the audience here. And he's like, I don't know, Brian. It, it pays. <laughs> it absolutely pays. What I care about is, is this thing going to pay for the long term? Okay, so, and by the way, in early 50s, I'm still considered a young farmer, right? Uh, still below so, average right. on the age of the farmer, but right? The, but the thing is, you think about when does the ground change hands? A lot of times it doesn't change hands till people get in their 70s, 80s, 90s. Well, I got lots of years left to recover that money, and what we found is tile usually recovers pretty fast. And it makes the ground more valuable. But yeah, if you've got flat ground, you might have to do what we did and put in a little bit deep, deeper lift station to create a little more slope to get the water moving a little faster, get it out of the field quicker. Uh, yeah, there's, there's just cost. That's, that's the big concern. But no, we are huge believers in tile and how that ties in. I would just tell you, in a lot of cases, we don't do much for surface drainage at all. We just put the tile in, even if there's a little pothole out there, whatever, we just put a little extra tile in that pothole area, and we call it good. We don't do much with the surface stuff because our concern is we're going to have more erosion. But if you weren't going to have surface drainage and you had heavy flat ground like that, yep. you just put the tile lines in fairly shallow. Is that, the, that what you would do? Fairly well, I'm going to put them close together. together and fairly shallow. Yeah, I'm going to probably be three feet deep. I might even in some cases be two and a half feet. But, yeah, probably three feet deep is, is what I would do if I was in your geography knowing where you live. All right. Uh, let's question see. Here? Yep, right here. Oh, oh, yeah, another one. Do you have a two-parter? Oh, sorry. Yeah, so oh, the sorry. other side of it was uh, how do you guys determine whether you need to deep rip if for, to blow up compaction? Like we got heavy, tight ground, and how, how do you guys look into that? Probe down there. Just probe down there. Uh, you know, just to, for a visual, you can go dig a big hole, and then you can pull a knife through it and see how yeah, hard it is. You can use a so post hole digger. Yep. You, could, you can just take a tile spade and just yeah. go out and walk through the field. That's what I do, and I just shove it in. And if I can't, if I can stand on top of it, put 200 pounds of pressure on top of a tile spade, and it doesn't move in the ground, it's time to do some tillage. Yep. All right, go ahead, sir. 
Dale from Ohio. Could you give me some advice on these uh, bioactive wood chip pits they're putting on the end of yeah, the Yeah, bioreactor. Sure. We got, got one right out here. Yeah, we got about 100 yards behind you. And then the other thing is the university people are talking about two pounds of phosphorus loss through the tiles. Will the chips take care of that problem? Okay, well, first of all, anybody that's talking about two pounds of phosphorus loss through the tile must only be talking about where somebody is literally dumping manure there. Well, they must we have inlets. They must have inlets. That, or inlets, yeah. right. Yep. And, and we could solve the phosphorus in one shot by taking out the inlets. Yep. Uh, so that, that would be something I'd look at. It, for us, our rule with inlets is we, do, we don't want to do them at all if they're flowing into a body of water. If you're flowing into uh, you know, a grass waterway and you've got a whole bunch of area for the grass to filter some of that stuff out, it's a maybe. Yep. Uh, but, but it's just better to avoid that in most okay, cases. Okay, so our bioreactor here, I'll tell you the results so far. We've had it for, I'm going to say, five, six years, something like that. The nitrate, I don't think, has ever hit above 10 parts per million going in. So did we actually need it? No. And it's a lot of expense. Uh, now, coming out, there's literally no nitrate coming out. So it is doing its job. It's doing its job. But you've got to think about what's my cost for that. So can it be done? Absolutely. Just what's the cost? Now, in our case, we've had it where we've taken some trees out locally. You could shred them up. You could throw it in there. So we didn't have a whole lot of cost. And, and we have equipment so we could dig the hole. We could do all this stuff ourselves, no big deal. But I can tell you the results of it have been excellent. It's just that what we were putting in, because uh, we were, uh, apparently, we, we must have been doing a fairly decent job on the nitrogen management because we never had it go above 10 parts per million going in. I think we got time for one more question here. Hi, I'm Pete from Minnesota. Uh, thoughts on pros or cons on soil sampling in the winter? Okay. Uh, well, uh, con, it's no fun. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'd rather do it when it's warm. Uh, con, uh, the ground is frozen, so I don't think you're going to be able to push that little yeah, soil probe in there. It's harder. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you got to do it a little different. Uh, I would say oh. this, though. Let's just say you picked up a new piece of ground today, and you said, you know what? I can soil sample it now, and I've got time to get a fertility plan. I get results back. I can make a plan, and by the time things are starting to thaw out, I can get stuff done. Uh, go for it. I think it's fine. I, if you say uh, that is that time of year better or worse than fall or spring just for the recommendations you're going to get, no, I don't think it's going to make that much difference for the recommendations you're going to get. It's right. just if you're hiring somebody to do it, they're probably going to want to charge you more money, and I don't blame them. I would too. And if you're doing it yourself, it's going to take you a little longer to do it, of course, uh, and it's going to be a little more difficult, but you can sure do it. Yep. Now, I see you have a young guy sitting right next to you there. So <laughs> that, that, it, it, uh, that person probably... Uh, How bad do you want to farm, all right. man? Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, that, that person could certainly put in some hours in the fall or whenever you choose to do your samplings, fall, spring. But yeah, it's just hard to get accurate samples because you're chipping away into that yeah, soil. I, I think if it's a one-time deal, though, I would go ahead and do it. But if you said, you know, I want to do this every year, I might just say, you know, even if I have to do it in season, I'll do it in season and always do it, whatever, uh, right after I'm done planting. What about if it is new grown and like you use an auger bit or something? Yep, you sure can. Yep. You sure can. Yes. And I think you'll get decent results. Yep. 
Yep, just just again more work. That's the that's the hard part. But about yeah, it. the data coming out shows it doesn't really matter if the ground is frozen or the ground is not frozen, as long as you're still pulling a six-inch core or whatever. You know, as long as you've got a representative sample, you're in good shape. Well, we had a fun time today at our tiling clinic. Again, you can go to agphd.com and find out more information about our upcoming weed, insect, and disease clinic tomorrow and on Thursday, soil fertility. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.